You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. How you doing? All right. David Hall. Yo, yo. And Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, fellas. Welcome. Greg Hectus. What up, guys? What up? And Steve Thompson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. Come on in here and uh, take a seat next to Mike Ellis. Don't sit on his lap, though. That's right. On tonight's show, we'll talk... Who's undefeated in winter NIS? Thrustmaster finally announces something, and Asetech goes all in with a full line of SIM hardware. Take a load off and join us in the lounge. Yeah, and you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of these great topics we'll be discussing by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So let's see you there. Are you tired of your pedals feeling like a video game? Want to step up to feeling like you're actually driving? We designed our P1 Pro pedals to feel exactly like a real car, giving you a better feeling when you're driving. Push braking zones to the limit and avoid locking up by having a finer feel of the limit. Trail brake into the corner smoother, allowing you to carry more speed. The SimCoach's P1 Pro pedals will be the last set of pedals you'll ever purchase for your simulator. Lifetime warranty is included. That means if you ever run into issues in years to come, we'll service them and keep them perfect. Simcoaches.com. to dive right into topics today and we're kicking it off with Ray Fella getting his shot in the real car. It looks like he finished P18 in a fall brawl. He had a fuel pump failure to end the race, but overall enjoyed the experience. He said he learned a lot and he showed good pace and he shot a thank you out to iRacing, BRS and Interstate Batteries as well as family and friends. It's always a neat story seeing the guys make the jump. Well deserved, you know. It's always, always nice to see uh, an iRacing scheme on any track. So it's good. Good run for him. Yeah. You know, take note that they did wrap the car. I mean, they put VRS on the quarter panel, iRacing on the hood, even has a raise 51 on the, on the door. So uh, pretty cool that they did all that just for this one race. And my understanding is when he was running before the fuel pump failure, that he was competitive um, and digging on the bottom and, and making moves. Yeah, hopefully he gets another chance at it. So um, this is the race, I guess, is the prequel to the Snowball Derby, right? At Five Flags in uh, Florida. So it's uh, close to home for him, I guess. Makes sense. And if and if if I were to say one person from iRacing who might deserve a shot like this, I know there's guys who are who are, um doing better than him in like the Coke series and stuff, but he's been around so long in iRacing and at, at a top level for so long, he would be one of the guys I would, who I would want to see get a, get an opportunity like this 
you know, other guys come and go sometimes, you know, or, or you know, they, they race for just a short amount of time and, and retire. This guy's been around for a long time and he's been at the very top for, for, for years. So um, just because of those kind of things, I'm glad he got this shot. It's really cool. Yeah, the whole idea. Sorry, David, I was going to say the whole idea is probably to try to, you know, gain some exposure, you know, and try to, you know, find a sponsor perhaps and, and maybe go racing on a, on a more regular basis. Who knows? But um, hopefully he's getting some calls. I think it's pretty established now that, that Irison can be a route to uh, establishing, bringing your, bringing your way up instead of having to come up through the real, the real super late model, you know, traditional route now, because uh, they're seeing it happening in multiple cases. And now our owners and talent scouts are starting to see that, that, these guys that are at the top level in sim racing probably can drive a real car. And they also have built up some good online following through streaming and such. Yeah. I don't think Ray has any experience prior to iRacing uh, to any real racing. So you might be just strictly on the service. How realistic is it, David? I, so I was again, just Mike? thinking, yeah, Ray is uh, with Joe Gibbs racing. Um, he has a relationship there, you know, perhaps, you know, there is a some crossover opportunity there where, you know, they're looking for drivers to come up, uh, you know, especially with Kyle Busch Motorsports moving over to Chevrolet, the whole Toyota. And they are, but, um, you know, maybe they're looking for drivers and, uh, and, and you already have a relationship there. That's pretty cool. Is anybody else getting a break up from Mike on his audio? Oh. I'll go move into another room. All right. As he moves, let's uh, let's vote on whether or not the room is a better room. No, actually, let's ask if anybody else has voted on the VCO Sim Awards. What do you think, Donnie? Yeah, I voted. Um, having a hard time recalling what I voted for and who I voted for. I noticed we weren't on there, so I couldn't vote for us. Uh, but the VSO Semi Awards opened up their uh, online voting, the voting phase for the 2022 VSO Vico Semi Awards. Uh, choose your favorite from five nominations in each of our 10 categories, voting closes, or closes on November 28th. Uh, so vote now. You can come to our show notes, follow the link, or uh, find Vico Semi Awards on Twitter. Did you guys vote? Yeah, I voted. I went through to see what they were voting on, but I don't remember either. I think uh, Casey Kerwin had uh, best driver and best oval driver uh, in some categories. Yeah, I think I voted for him, so it's the only name I recognized. I'll, I'll ask you guys, uh, under the sim racing personalities, I only recognized uh, maybe a couple of the five that they had on there. Um, did you guys recognize the other names? Steven Wilson, I think. That was the other one I recognized. There were a few Coke drivers, but you're right, Donnie. Um, I think a lot of the mentions that you're talking about are from other Sims. Um, I think iRacing, people that are associated with iRacing got some mention in there. Like uh, we saw Best Pictures, Justin Melillo, and he's the guy that we get all the information from for the Coke series. And so he's very in, embedded with iRacing. But there wasn't a lot of those names I didn't even recognize. And I, I know a lot about iRacing. Right. Well, I think the voting closes on November 28th. So got a, got a week or so more. Get your votes in. 
All right, Steve, tell us about uh, the Black Friday sale still going on. Yeah, the Black Friday sale at iRacing is still going on. You can uh, It says, come race with us, whether you're new to sim racing, looking to jump back in, or extending your stay on the virtual track. We've got something for everyone. Check it out at iRacing.com forward slash Black Friday, and they've got 50% off all new memberships. So if uh, you're listening to this show, you're probably already a member, but it'd be a good time if you want to uh, start a second uh, membership. Um, you get 50% off on that, or if you're a current membership member, you'll get 25% off and uh, get renewal. So I already did it. I've got two accounts, so I, I think I'm good till like 2025 now. I keep every time this comes out, I'm afraid they're not going to do it the next year. And when was if I run out of money and can't I race? I don't know what to do. Just keep adding it up, right? Start That's right. Stuff. Some people yeah. invest in Bitcoin. Steve invests in iRacing. <laughs> it probably, it's probably a better investment right now. Then you get to enjoy it. Him and Matt Malone. Matt Malone's like good for the next century. I won't be going to jail those, with, with uh, Shaq. Those super I just got, accounts, you own everything? Yeah, yeah. I just got an email the other day from, from iRacing saying they're getting ready to recharge charge me for a, a renewal. So I got to make sure I get in and get this discount before they do it automatically. It shows it's good through December 1st, so Black Friday and beyond, at least till the 1st. Yeah, so that's kind of a good good recommendation. If you guys have been renewing on Black Friday to get that discount, you know, um, if, you don't, if you don't do it and uh, it automatically renews, you're going to pay the full price. So make sure you get in there and enter your... Um, enter that code so you can get the discount and not let it auto renew because you will not even though it might happen during the sale and you don't have to wait till black friday it's already open because i already done mine oh nice i did mine oh yeah it says now through december 1st yeah you guys are right black friday is now i just walked through a store and they already had stuff labeled as black friday so it's a looks like it's a two-week deal now well at Verizon, it's a four-week deal. I mean, we already have our Black Friday deals out, and they've been out for a while. So much stuff that's online is online now. Maybe, you know, it just doesn't have the same uh, craziness that it maybe used to have on Black Friday. That plus COVID really shut a lot of that down for a while. All right, so next up, it looks like Laguna Seca, the proper track, is getting a full makeover. Mike, you've probably given this one a good look over. Well, I was just thinking, you know, if they change the track or do a makeover, boy, we're going to have to get a rescan. Has this one been updated? I, I don't, I can't recall. Uh, I'm not 100% sure if they're touching the track itself. Maybe some resurfacing from here and there, but a lot of the structures are coming down and getting rebuilt. Um, you can see the picture for that bridge, that pedestrian bridge. Uh, so, yeah, so even if that happens, even if they um, reduce some of the structures, we're going to have to hopefully get a rescan on iRacing to get the environment to be accurate. Uh, so we'll see. It's I can't imagine where they would update the track. Maybe, like I said, a roadway surface here and there, but other than that, the track's pretty nice as it is. Yeah, mostly upgrading the, the bridges and, and other amenities. This is um, in conjunction with their 65th anniversary. I think uh, they're tying that in for uh, for an anniversary deal. So... Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's getting a, a big enough change that iRacing would have to worry about a rescan or anything like that. Maybe just some graphical um, updates, you know, as as the structures might change and be updated. 
Are you guys surprised NASCAR's never came here? I know they've been in Sonoma at least since the 80s. Um, I'm a little surprised they didn't alternate or maybe um, skip Sonoma some years and, and come down here. But can the, the stock car handle uh, the corkscrew? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. The corkscrew would be tough, wouldn't it? IMSA doesn't even really run there much anymore. I don't know if any of the smaller divisions do, but I haven't. I'm only run the Class B and Class A sports cars mostly, and I can't remember the last time I was actually at Laguna Seca. It's been forever. Yeah, I know the bottom series, uh, they run there quite a bit almost every season, it seems like, in some of the series. So I got um, pretty familiar with this one, but it'd be nice. I don't know. Um, you know, IndyCar goes there every year still. Um, I don't know, it's just a nice, fun, unique track. It's in a, I don't want to say a remote part of California, but it's in a very expensive part of California. And you have to travel to get to it, sort of. I wonder it's not, if iRacing, not. sorry, Brian, I was wondering if iRacing can just take photographs of the changes, you know, and just work the graphics, you know, off of photos. Well, that's typically how they did a lot of the graphics for buildings and stuff, I think, right? They don't scan buildings and things like that. Right. And especially if NASCAR is going to be there, they update a lot of the signage, right? For example, like Road America, when they were going there, they went ahead and upgraded all the signage, even though they didn't change the track or anything. True. Even though it's not a part of iRacing, I, th I think uh, watching the sport bikes, the super bikes going through the corkscrew is one of the best, coolest things you can see in racing. Ross Chastain probably tries to jump the corkscrew. I think it's actually a time penalty when you do that. Well, as we continue to talk about what looks like uh, real-life updates, it looks like they're doing something for Pocono with a paddock. Steve. Yeah, Pocono Raceway post on Twitter, the final hours, demo updates. And it uh, looks like they're demoing the old paddock and they're rebuilding it. Um, I saw some of the, uh, the new pictures of what they're planning on building. It looks pretty neat. It looks like they're going to put a new stage in and paddocks, and it's going to be uh, great for the uh, crowds to come visit. The new paddock yeah based on the pictures uh, it looks like it could be a little cozy which is always nice um but yeah i don't know what, have any idea what the paddock in pocono looks like currently but this looks like to be an all new 100 percent upgrade i wonder if they're trying to get indycar to come back i think they're trying to put that phoenix patch on it like you know donnie you went to the phoenix infield uh what you, I mean, this kind of resembles, you know, oh, buy a drink, you know, sit down somewhere, you know, enjoy. Well, especially with the fact that we're in the entertainment business w with racing, you have to keep pumping up the amenities to get people to come to the track. I mean, um, how, how often are NFL teams upgrading their stadiums now, right? Right. And Pocono... Even though um, the track itself hasn't really received a whole lot of updates or anything, it's from what I hear, it's one of the better tracks to go to for like uh, camping out and, and staying for the weekend. You know, you get uh, you know a bunch of races that weekend if you if you're if you're there. Um, and I, I just heard it's like one of the better tracks to go to for if you're going to stay there. I, I hear that quite a bit too. Are they an independent uh, run track? That's probably a part of it is uh, they get to kind of do what they want a little bit with their, uh, their fan interaction. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it does remind me of Phoenix. Donnie, what, do you, what did you think of the infield? Did you, were you able to go there at, at Phoenix and see the, you know, the same kind of uh, thing they're doing there? 
Yeah, um, I it had its pros and cons. Uh, so I've done the infield in Vegas and Fontana and here in Fontana and Phoenix are both NASCAR tracks, but I was a slightly disappointed because so if I buy an infield pass here in Fontana, I have pit road access. Um, I'm walking through, not through the boxes, but right by the boxes um, on Saturdays. Um, all the drivers are there. Um, for Phoenix, you get that infield experience, but you can't uh, access pit road and you're kind of limited to what you can do. Um, they do have a plenty of places where you can sit down and eat and not watch the race. But um, so far, I don't know. Each, each track is, uh, has its pros and cons. I haven't found one that I like over the other one yet. Yeah, they kind of fence you in uh, where you can't get to those those choice areas. Yeah, Fontana, you just you walk under the turn four tunnel, and then you walk your mile back to the pit area, and then then you're there. You don't have garage passes, which nobody really gets, I guess. But once you're on the pit road, you're on pit road, and you're hanging out. You're in the in the grass area, and uh, under the stage and, and whatnot, if you'd like. So another iRacing update that could probably be done with photographs after the fact. Hey, this one reminds me. So uh, during the Coke race, the Coke championship race, Casey Kerwin drove to the victory lane in Phoenix. Did we have any idea that was happening? Was that a surprise for us that you can access uh, the actual victory lane stage in the infield on iRacing? No, I knew you could do that. Ah, okay. So I'm wondering if they update these paddocks as we go, if we're going to start getting more access to, to garage areas. Especially, There's lots of lots of tracks you can go, you can go through the uh, barriers and go drive around the infield. Yeah, but then some of them you you find uh, black holes and stuff. Well, this next one's pretty extreme. It's about eighteen thousand x stream, isn't it, Donnie? Yes, sir. So Brian Laster on Twitter at the One Pizza Man, he posted a tweet. I think we might have set a record for most incident points in a single race on iRacing. A 180-minute of figure-eight action, total incident points for the entire server, 18,660. In one race, 33 cars started, couldn't fit full results in uh, the one screenshot here. Um, so figure-eight race, so I'm assuming there's going to be some carnage. Hopefully they turn their force feedback down a tad, but um, yeah, 18,000. How do you look up this record? Is it? It's not going to flag that it's a record, but, but uh, that's pretty incredible. Wow. That is a big number. I've been in races where it's demo derby style and damage is off and like Oxford, like a small oval like Oxford, you know, super lates or something like that. And I've run up, you know, hundreds of incidents, you know, at the end of my race. You know, I haven't thought about adding up the entire field, but even if I did that, you know, I'm I'm only thinking wow four digits you know a thousand or more you know we're not this guy's eighteen thousand. if you think about that number that's a huge huge number well that's for the comp combined score not not one driver well in 180 minutes of action too so how many figure eight tracks do we have it's just irwindale do we have any others that's it two hours of driving that's so that's that's got to be a challenge in itself it's three hours. Three hours, yeah. You're right. You're right. Dang. So that's I mean, title idea. So math I, is hard. Is I could see a thousand in a short race, like a thirty minute race. So I guess it makes sense. It's that California education. We're falling way behind. Fourth in the world economy, but we're falling behind in education.
this reminds me of a race we ran one time in the Reddit League where you actually had a team of four, and one guy was in a certain car and everybody else was in a different car that were just hunters. And your job was just to get your guy to to complete the most laps in a certain amount of time. And but damage was on, but you had unlimited fast repairs. But every time you would knock a car out, they would have to tow. And and it, it was it was a it was a very interesting, silly, fun race. Those Oxford races that I was mentioning, it usually boils down to everyone goes after the leader, whoever's leading the race or the top three. Because, like you said, they get knocked out or turned over or run off the track. Then that allows everyone else to try to catch up, you know, because they're laps down. It almost reminds me of roller derby on with race cars. All right, Brian, looks like we've got a race recap coming up. Yeah, so uh, this is the eNASCAR College iRacing Series. They they raced uh, at Charlotte, um, and uh, the winner for the day was uh, Steve Wilson, the Coke driver. Surprise! Um, yeah, surprise, surprise. He's really been uh, just winning a lot of these races um, in this uh, college series, but um, he's got other Coke racers with him, and um, I don't know if they've been racing the whole college series or not, but um, they definitely are here now. Um, so, uh, Logan Clampett finished second in this race. Uh, this was, uh, by the way, this was on the Charlotte, um, road course. It wasn't the oval. Um, so, uh, yeah, Logan Clampett finished second and Garrett Lowe finished third. So, um, yeah, those were the only three, uh, Coke drivers in the race. Um, so, um, Steve Wilson actually won by four seconds over Clampett. Garrett Lowe was right behind Logan Clampett. And then the next driver who obviously was not a Coke driver, but, um, uh, finished uh, 16, almost 17 seconds behind those guys. So, you know, th- which to be honest with you, I think that's pretty good if you're racing against this caliber to stay within 8, 16, 17 seconds. That's not bad. Uh, I know uh, it sounds kind of silly, but when you're racing against those guys that are so skilled, so so highly uh, talented, and, and you can not get lapped, I, I would be a couple laps down, I guarantee you that. But, um, but yeah, it's really, really, really good showing for those non-Coke series drivers. Uh, not too bad. Well, Mike, you've been talking about running a lot of NIS this week. What do you think about this guy who is undefeated in the NIS? Well, I actually raced him this week at Bristol, and he's the car to beat. Uh, his his I rating, coincidentally, at the time of the race was sixty nine sixty nine. That was a joke, but it's true. It was that number. Um, Blake McCandless, who's the announcer for the Coke race, Coke races, he's one of the announcers. He uh, is cleaning house in the winter NIS. So at uh, Daytona last week, he won every event he entered. He did the fixed and the open multiple times, and he won every time he entered. Um, so he's undefeated in uh, at Daytona. So he went into the Bristol week. Uh, also undefeated. Now, I haven't looked to see if he's still undefeated at Bristol or not, but uh, well done. He's really quick. Um, on old tires, he's a good you know, half-second faster than me at Bristol. Did I'm sorry, Mike. Did he win last night, your race? I don't know. I'm going to go look. I know he was running in the lead last time I was able to, to talk to you about it during the race, so I'm curious if you won. But it's pretty impressive, especially with the 87 car at Daytona. It's not a draft. It's not a pack race. You actually have to be up front, 
and uh, utilize a little bit more skill than normal at Daytona. So to win three, three of the races last week is pretty good. Mike, how, how difficult was that car to drive at, the, at Bristol? Did you have any trouble? Fantastic. Yeah. No, I wrecked great. last night um, on my own, you know, spun it out. I mean, it's hard. I mean, it, it's one of the hardest things I've done, that car and that track combo. But it is fun, right, Donnie? Yeah, it's fun. And this is how everybody's different. I find that so far uh, to be my favorite car track combo. I had, it was great last night. You're able to pass on the low line, go up high if you wanted to, weave your way through traffic if needed. Um, it was great. You just had to take care of it on on new tires going in, just so you don't overdo uh, it and spin, spin yourself out. But uh, it was fantastic. If I can run Sunday morning, I would, but I don't, I'm not going to be around. Yeah, the winner of top split last night was Kyler Wynn. So um, McCandless' uh, streak is broken, but uh, yeah, he's still the car to beat. All right, looks like we're already jumping into some uh, iRacing events. The first one's coming up is a 2022 fixed setup winter derby. It's a 300-lap race. It's going to be held at Five Flags Speedway, which is based in Pensacola, Florida. It's going to be in the super late model stocks. It looks like there's quite a few uh, time slots. It doesn't this is not your normal uh, like endurance special event time. So we got five time slots going from Wednesday at 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 nine GMT or really twenty one hundred GMT, Friday at two GMT, Saturday at ten GMT, Saturday at seventeen, and Monday at o two hundred. Got to have a D oval license, fixed setup, four sets of tires, three green white checkers, attached qualifying, um, and it's got a drive through limit of twenty five incidents with a DQ at thirty two. Now that was the fixed, and then there's also the open, so they have both. Yep, and on our script, we've just got a link to the forum post for the open. And if you pop that open, it's probably almost all the same, except different start times, and it's open. Yeah, the times are offset from the uh, fixed to the open. And so if you're interested, you can actually run both. These, these times look pretty pretty similar to NIS times if I'm, when I'm looking at the open sets, right? Yeah, they're NIS times. So the dates are next week, right? Yeah, I'm looking to run Sunday morning. I'm trying to clear my calendar for that one, but it won't be hard. I think it's 6 a.m. for me here to run. This series... um. So the, the short track guys, would it do well if they had their own professional series? Because it, it's almost two different disciplines, in my opinion, the short track racing as opposed to the national touring series. Um, would you guys like to see a Coke series style series for the, the short tracks? Yeah. I would like to see it, but I don't know how much it would draw because it's not running the big NASCAR tracks. It's not, but I mean, we've got rally, dirt. Uh, two different door, dirt oval. We have the off-road trucks. I mean, and what's their purse compared to the Coke series? Uh, like ten thousand. <laughs> well, you, you got leagues out there doing it already. I mean, SARA is a very well-known, you know, late model league. They also the super lates, I believe, have kind of, a, of some established strength of field races as well. That that they just know that's when everybody's going to show up to have their biggest. Uh, toughest field adam used to run a lot of those yeah i kind of i kind of agree with you guys about having a series specifically for short short local track type of races yeah i think that would be pretty cool um you know maybe make it in late models it's 
it's almost a different animal than than like NASCAR is. It's 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 different, and um, a lot of guys just really love that that um, Saturday night type racing uh, feel that that these cars put on. Um, I think that's a good idea. It's not like a short track invitational where every week it's a different car. Like they're all running on short tracks, but maybe one one week it's late model, the next it's super lates, the next might be maybe the modifieds or the big block. You know that would be cool. And then you ch- you have a short track champion. Start doing something like that though, and that's really more uh, something like what majors would do rather than an official series. How many series in the real world are there where you're changing cars every week and changing class? All right. So this, I don't, I don't think that's something that would should be i racing style. That's more something set up for leagues. Now, some of these ideas are are done by leagues. We just don't. If we tend to only go for official, that's where we end up. Well, talk about crazy ideas for leagues. How about the next one, David? Well, this is being presented by Dinner with Racers it's on Thursday. They're calling it their dumbest iRacing league, and it's returning with the dumbest event yet. It says, uh, can an EV set to run 10 minutes outrun a Formula V with a 40-minute race? Mm-hmm. And Now, I'm interested in running an EV for once. I mean, for the first time since it's been announced. I will race an electric car. If in in an event like this, it's very interesting because think about it. If it's only set to run for 10 minutes, but you have to make it last 40 minutes, what are you doing? You're, you're running around at quarter throttle. Yeah. I'm not sure. Does that, um, does this car that's in the service have any kind of braking, uh, energy or re-energizing the batteries? Okay. Well, maybe you're just dragging the brake. Yeah, but the more you drag, if you drag the brake while you're you're throttling, it doesn't harvest the energy. You're you're kind of that's like perpetual motion. It doesn't really give you more energy. You 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 boost up and then you slow down and you get some of the energy back and then you lose some of it to heat. That'd be interesting. Well, I, what was the name of that Porsche car? The electric car. Mission R. Mission. Mission R. It's got that ugly whining sound. Um, it'll be interesting to check out. But I mean, you could go. I don't like. It doesn't tell us what track it's going to be yet. I was just trying to find that. I like. Um, I like on the uh, the picture brochure for this race. They have a dumpster on fire. So <laughs> dumpster fire <laughs> race. I think that's funny. That's really cool. Okay, so which would you pick, the Formula V or the Porsche Mission R? I'd go with the Formula V because yeah, I'd rather be racing then completely in fuel saving mode for an entire 40 minutes yeah formula v for me well will a formula v run 40 minutes on a tank of gas they don't have big tanks they might have to stop yeah stop and go do they get fuel yeah you i've get never fuel tried pit stop i've got i've gotten fuel on a pit stop in a formula v before i don't think i've ever been i don't think i've ever even sat in a formula v yet Oh, you're missing out. It's fun. <laughs> and free. You, to, you haven't tried and free, the soapbox. So you have <laughs> yeah, but I already have derby. sports cars. This is happening in 10 minutes, this race here. Oh, really? All right. So um, we may Did just you have find to the live, track? We may have to live report on it. Did you find the track, Donnie? Uh, not yet, but I'm going to try to find Oh, we've got a link. So, David, one of the funnest things to try in iRacing is 
the soapbox derby down Mount Washington in the Formula V. What you do is you just hit the gas to get the car rolling, and then you, <laughs> you let it roll the whole way down. Well, there's a setup for it. There's a setup for the uh, for the soapbox derby that gives you like 0.1 gallons of gas, so it's just enough to get the car started and moving, and then you run out of gas, so you can't cheat. Yeah, they said that. Right, so you just leave it neutral. You, you may you may find that fun, but you know, to each his own, man. Uh, no. <laughs> if I'm going, if I'm going to go downhill on my own power, it's going to be on a pair of skis. There you go. I mean, do rollerblades down it, Dave. Ugh, should be fun. Hey, real quick before we move on. Um, so the winter derby race we just talked about for my racing, um, that obviously uh, is their version of the snowball derby, right? Because that's what the same track is happening uh, on the weekend of the first. How does iRacing not have the the um, the license to be able to use snowball derby? That that seems to me odd. You know, they have all these all these top tier race names that they're able to use, but it almost seems like they don't have the license to call it a snowball derby. Would would that be that hard to get? You think? Well, we've seen yeah. it. Some of these smaller tracks say no to iRacing for whatever reason. Um, they don't want the, um, the awesome publicity that iRacing can bring them. But yeah, you're right. There, I don't find a reason that we can't call this and have an official logo and partner it with the real Snowball, Snowball Derby. Because I'll be watching the real event as well. So I don't know. It just comes down to each individual negotiation. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And it's not like it's not like Five Flags didn't let them scan the track. So why wouldn't you let them, you know, why wouldn't you not let them have the license if that's who owns the license? I don't even know about Probably a sponsor that. involved, I would imagine. Maybe a conflicting iRacing sponsor. Who knows? Yeah, I just thought it was odd. You know, you can get you can get the Rolex 24 or whatever, the 24 hours of Daytona or whatever, but you can't get a Snowball Derby. Donnie, we were hanging out talking about uh, getting ready for Daytona next year, and you came on and private messaged me and mentioned that you were really surprised how much drive deeper you could drive now that you have your sim coach pedals working. Well, yeah, I've heard you guys for a good solid year uh, go on about how good the pedals are. I've heard the ad. I, I've, re I've read the ad, um, but when I bought the pedals, I think we ran our last NIS road course race just prior, so I've only been using them on oval, and you don't necessarily... Um, I didn't, didn't get the full effect yet, uh, but last week um, I'm transitioning to road for the winter and I threw them on uh, my BMW M4 and I mixed up the washers. Um, I thought hard was too hard for that car. Uh, so I did a mixture of hard and soft and it gave me a great feel. And I hadn't driven this car since last February and I went to Road America. I looked at my times and I compared my times and within two laps, so I'm still probably on cold tires, wasn't really going extremely hard. And I was able to beat my fastest time, my all time best uh, time by about eight tenths of a second. Um, still probably on cold tires, being off that, out of that car for about eight months and uh, first time with these pedals. And there wasn't a whole lot of adjusting I needed to do within the, within the visor app either. I played around with it, but um, I think what you're saying for the sports cars in general, just keeping them at default is, is, is good enough. Yeah. So there you hear it. Just another example of how, how great these pedals feel. They just, 
when I press that brake, I'm, I'm not having to, I don't ever have to lift. It's just, I always, I'm, I don't have to do negative pressure with my leg, if that makes sense. It's always about how hard you're pushing. You don't have to float your leg and control how high you're holding your foot like you do with the, the cheaper models. Um, so iRacers Lounge is the code. You can still get 10% off. It's the best deal you can get. Go get your pedals today. Simcoaches.com. podcast housekeeping leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform make it easier for more listeners to find us please mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out we do appreciate it check us out on discord it's been kind of quiet there this week but uh, also uh, we have our website irisserslounge.com we're in regular rotation at the performance motorsports network and I guess it's called iRock TV now. Uh, Sim Racing Channel has been rebranded. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash, good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. All right, we're going to open up hardware with a little talk about the OpenXR toolkit. I know, Steve, you kind of hinted at this a little bit last week, but now you can really dive into the details. Yeah, so I was having some issues with my uh, G2, and uh, it, it ended up being uh, just a cable. But after I got the uh, new cable, I decided I did some reading on the OpenXR toolkit with OpenXR. I'd tried X OpenXR before, and uh, they just kind of implemented the toolkit. And so I implemented it. Um, I use this guy. Uh, Paul Gallon's uh, settings that he had here, and I was able to turn everything up to high with my graphics, which for some reason I can't do with OpenVR. Um, I was on my on my 3080. I had some pretty high settings and it was running okay, but for some reason with the 4090, um, I haven't been able to run it as high. But the thing with the OpenXR toolkit is. The graphics are amazing. It's almost, uh, it's like looking at a 4K screen in my goggles. I've never seen it so clear. So I'm pretty excited about it. Um, there is, the only downfall is, is I do have a, a, a motion rig. Um, and they do, for open VR, they do make, a, SRS makes an open, uh, open SRS. They make a motion compensation for VR, which definitely helps with the bounce. But the one thing that uh, OpenXR has is they do have a shaking reduction uh, for motion rigs. So I did I did use that and I did uh, set down my settings on my motion rig, which is good because I've been running at um, the Monster Mile this week and it's pretty bouncy. So um, I got my settings down to where it's pretty comfortable. But you guys can go to, I put all the links uh, to set up the OpenXR on the uh, show links. 
show notes here. And uh, I recommend you go try it. It, it. It's really simple. And I mean, the graphics were amazing and, and the overhead is amazing for, for VR. This might be a stupid question, but is this something that anyone with VR can use? Yep, anybody, either Oculus or any of the uh, WMR headsets or Vario, um, you can use all those headsets on it. And there is there is a open compensation for open VR for open XR that's in development right now. It's in uh, alpha alpha state. I was going to try to implement it, but uh, it was like reading Greek. So um, I think I'll wait till they have an actual installer for it. And David, how is this different than the thing that you were talking about a couple months ago, FFV? Fixed foveated rendering, which can be done, I think, on OpenXR as well. Um, all that does is make the parts of your vision on your uh, VR that you don't look directly at blurry. In sac so you don't have to render it as high of a resolution in places you're not looking at and you can't tell that it's blurry because it's already blurry coming into your vision because it's all on your peripheral and that that gives a lot of performance boost for either one um i'm i'm excited to hear about the better graphics running but the, the big the thing that will keep me from running it is overlays you can't do more than one overlay on it yet uh, and i just recently did a youtube video that i posted to chat to show the guys how where i run my overlays and um if i can't have those i won't run it yeah that is a that is another downfall i i, I looked at your video thanks for posting it um but i think at this point right now you know the issues that i've that i was having i've been having some issues with steam vr too um not wanting to load and i don't know why that is i've reinstalled it and stuff but Steam VR just sometimes it runs good and sometimes it's buggy. I don't know. I've got it running pretty good for me now with with the current setup and the and the thirty ninety. You do have to have strong hardware to do it, but it's um well we didn't it didn't make it onto the script, but I'll try to make sure we get it on here for next week if we record. Uh, so people can go watch that video. I, re I recorded the whole race, but the first ten minutes really shows you how to how to set it up and the way I where I rec like positioning my stuff. And if you watch it, you'll you'll basically see I it, it's you think it's so much on the screen, but it really it's almost all out of the way. So I only use it when I need it, and otherwise I'm looking straight out of a clear windshield pretty much. Can you toggle that on and off while you're racing, Dave? Or once you set it up, it's on. Once you set it up, it's on. Okay. <laughs> Well, you know what's interesting is with the OpenXR toolkit, they they have an over, overlay that's in there, um, so you can watch your overhead. That's really good. So maybe as they develop it, maybe they will allow um, for more overlays. Hopefully, I had um I had I started my I saw my first anomaly weird thing with the FFV recently while I was doing some road racing and. Um, I kind of got like a black, you know, you have the ring around, ring around that, uh, where the, uh, it changes the uh, resolution. And I was getting kind of like a black, uh, upside down U where, um, where that change happened. You know, at first I thought it was like, I was driving through like, uh, one of those, you know, like the Michelin tire thing that they have sometimes it kind of it looked just like that, but, uh, it's not, it, it was something with the FFE that, that was showing some black, uh, in that section and it goes away after a second or two and it was just in certain parts of the track which is kind of weird but it's the first time i've had any kind of weird things happening with ffv 
Well, Mike, it looks like we have a whole series of videos from a new company called Assetech SimSports, or at least they're jumping into a new era area. They are. Yeah, Assetech SimSports we've heard of because they have put out some pedals. Um, and those pedals have been fairly popular. Um, and now, all of a sudden this week, we have a slew of information from this company. Um, they are expanding. They are getting into the wheel business, um, bases, and everything. So the first video is introducing the direct drive wheelbases for Asetech SimSports. They have the 12 uh, Newton meters, 18 and 27. And those are some interesting numbers. I mean, those are going to compete with uh, some very well-known uh, wheelbases like the 27, the big one, you know, that's obviously going to compete with the SimiCube Pro 2, which is 25. Or yeah, the, the uh, DD2, right? Yeah, the prices were real, really reasonable too. Um, I mean, they're a thousand dollars for the eighteen newton meter, and uh, fifteen hundred for the twenty-seven newton meter, and then the uh, twelve newton meter. They have a bundle. You you have to purchase you purchase the wheel and a uh, set of pedals, pedals. for yeah for thirteen thirteen hundred and fifty dollars, um, and you, and it's all upgradable too. That was interesting. What he said, um, the you could buy the 12 newton meter wheel or uh, base, and uh, at a later time you can upgrade the PC board and the power supply to uh, 18 nanometers, so or newton meters. It's fascinating that you, the upgrade path. Um, it, it's kind of like what Fanatec did with DD1 and DD2, where they're technically the same motor, you know, but and and obviously these are the same motor, but if you have, like you said, a different power supply and a different PC board, uh, boy, you're going to get the increased power. So, you know, for, I don't know, they, he didn't say how much the upgrade path was, I think, but uh, that's a fascinating thing that, hey, you can, you know, get in on a cheaper price and then later, you know, a year later or something, you know, step it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. And the, the, did you watch the uh, other video on the on the new pedals that they made separate? I did. I couldn't believe how many different videos they have. They have the steering wheel uh, and the pedals, and then, like you said, the package. And I, I mean, we could just go on to this forever. Yeah, the uh, CEO or the owner of the company is pretty interesting because he he couldn't see the the reason why anybody wanted to be able to uh, split up the, or have the pedals where they could move them around. He figured they were good just on the one platform, but uh, he decided to go with it. And it, it seems like uh, the, the pedals are uh, upgradable too, and you can you can also invert those with the uh, new pedals also. Yeah, the S series pedal. And what he, what he has is they're individual pedals. So the throttle, the brake, the clutch, you buy three pieces if you want all three. And and like you said, they're easy to invert um, and so forth. So he's got some neat stuff. He's got a formula wheel as well. Um, it looks really nice. It's called the Forte formula wheel. He's got that entry level package with the direct drive and the pedals and the and a, a wheel all together. Like like I think you said, thirteen hundred. It's interesting the way they did the pricing because you can get the 
the top two bases by themselves, but you can't get the cheaper base by itself. You had to buy the package to get the cheaper base. And the, the lower priced uh, wheel is also upgradable. You can upgrade it to the, uh, to the better wheel with, with a computer board. And I, I didn't quite understand all that, how you upgrade it, but you can upgrade that. And then he also has uh, bigger grips because he said he had big hands and the smaller grips didn't fit. So you can get larger grips for it also. Now, they were talking in the forums about this, obviously. And some people pointed out the history of this company. Before they made pedals, uh, they had some kind of cooler. They do PC coolers uh, for, like, you put on the chip to cool the chip. And um, apparently uh, did good business by, um, by chasing people that were infringing on their trademark. And so a lot of their business was going after other companies who had used their, their cooler uh, patent. And, uh, there were a couple quotes in here where, you know, they got paid, you know, half a million dollars from a lawsuit and this and that. And so, um, they come from the computer industry and now obviously they're fully in, involved in the, the SIM hardware industry. Well, that's interesting. They also, he also said, uh, that if you've purchased the pedals previously, you can get a, a $200 gift card. Um, off the website if you want to purchase a uh, any of the wheels. The uh, quick release, I believe he said they're paying uh, to use the Granite device quick release, which is the SimiCube one. And so there's going to be some similarity there. Uh, the other thing is, is you will be able to put third-party wheels on these bases without issue, unlike Fanatec and some others. That could be a selling point in itself over Fanatec for some people. Right. Price points, I mean, right where the, you would think they are. The Invicta wheelbase, 1,500 euros. I mean, the the SimiCube Pro 2 is right at that or maybe 100 less. So it's a competitive price. Um, I tell you what, I mean, if you're looking at a direct drive, you, you need to consider these guys. There's no reviews out yet, <laughs> but... Can you mount, yeah, I guess we'll see the reviews, but can you mount to the front of these direct drives? I don't think so. Not that I saw. The design, I mean, what do you think of the design, guys? And and part of the design, he's got little LED strips on the nicer ones uh, that go along the sides, and those just, like, pop in and out. And that's part of the upgrade path. Like, you, you not only get the power supply, the new PC board, but you get the little LED strips too. Yeah, they were. I mean, they're they're a nice looking uh, unit, and with all the all the different mounts, he had a desk mount also that you could mount these to, along with a, a front mount too, so you can see all the LEDs through it. Visually, they look better than the Logitech wheel that just came out, and potentially a wheel down below. We'll talk about later, but I mean, this looks like um a company that got a lot of money really quick, maybe from what Mike was speaking of, and and now they're just, they slowly started into the market, and now they're just jumping in. So looks like it'll uh, probably compete on the Fanatec levels, my guess. They also have a video from Kevin Magnuson, the Formula One driver, where he uh, gives his impressions of the Invicta uh, 
Asatec wheel. Um, and of course, you know, he has, he has a lot of clout, you know, and he says, Hey man, this feels really good. And it's matching the forces that, you know, I'm used to feeling and da 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 da. And you know, that kind of stuff. It's impressive. So, so even celebrity endorsement, pretty cool. You know, I, I gotta say though, I'm impressed, you know, with this company, the way that they rolled out this product line with all the different videos, the, the, like the CEO, you know, describing them in detail, you know, telling us why they designed it this way and why they made choices and why they decided to have upgrade pass and all this stuff. And so I was very impressed. Yeah. I enjoyed watching all the videos. Yeah. You got to have a little bit of worry though, when he does say, I don't understand why people want to move their pedals around. Um, so I wonder how much he's actually send raced in the last five years to develop this company. So, I mean, hopefully it has some, some good people behind it, building these products with some good ideas, but, uh, that you hear some things here and there that make you think like, uh, um, but like you guys said, the, the packages were good rolling these things out the way they did organized. I, I like, uh, the videos as well. I always watch them. The guy's kind of cool to listen to sometimes. I always prefer to have my brake skewed over closer to the clutch than the throttle. You mean you want to be able to move them where you want them? Yeah, I imagine that. Well, I, thought was in a, I thought it was interesting, you know, that he didn't under he didn't understand why he'd want to do that, but because of all the feedback he got, he decided that uh, he needed to break up the pedal set. So at least well, he's listening to his clients. Well, then, there, okay, there you go. That, that just says maybe he does listen, and he does care about what people say, and he'll go against his own opinion. And he doesn't have uh, too much of an ego to, to, you know, listen to the people. Donnie, that last video, the S series pedal, that's the one where they're individual pedals. And so they, they call them the S series fully adjustable. I like, I'm looking at the thing in his hand and that is a big footprint. We're going to talk about a large footprint on a pedal here later, but um, if you add a heel plate, I guess the heel plate is in front of the pedal. Okay. That's the one down below that has a gigantic footprints like for 18 inches long or something right that's yeah, <laughs> huge so before we move, move on i have a live update from the track from the dinner <laughs> dinner with racers they're in practice right now with just about 12 minutes to go these the fastest v or formula v is about 50 seconds slower than the the porsche they're running a iRacing super speedway and they're running the apron and they're running a right along pit wall um, that V looks microscopic on this track. It probably can't even run the banking. It'll probably just tip over. Looks like a micro machine. <laughs> they can't run that faster in the race. They'll run out of power time or power or whatever. I wish I took myself less seriously sometimes and actually maybe participated in some of the stuff because it does look like it could be a lot of fun. Sometime during the winter break, I'm I'm going to host a few uh, oval races with all three cl classes in them. Oh, they're fun. Remind me of, uh, sorry, Steve, Darlington if... with the radicals. And you don't even go on the banking. You just stay on the flat. I don't know if you, any of you guys listen to uh, those guys' podcast, but Dinner with Racers, they, they do a great job, too, at their podcast. I'm glad to be reminded of them because I was subscribed to them. And then when I switched phones, I... Uh, I had to redo all my subscriptions, so I got to get put them back on the list. What what is their content? Is it just iRacing, or do they talk all, all about racing? 
they interview uh, all kinds of racers, different racers. I mean, famous, you know, NASCAR racers, road racers, and they, they actually have dinner with them. They travel around and uh, they're really, really good podcasts while they're eating dinner. <laughs> I like it. We'll check them out. Yeah, they do. They do quite a bit in the uh, off season during when nothing's happening. So good, good to listen to. All right, Brian, we got a quick tip and trip or uh, tip and trick tripping man. Uh, we got a title that is tripping me up. It's a tip and trick from uh, the Sim Pit. Yeah, so uh, this is a YouTube video, not a long one, like three and a half minutes long um, from Simpit and our friend uh, Sean Cole, who, who runs that uh, runs that site. So what he was having an issue with is he's got a pretty elaborate rig, you know, triple monitors, and, and uh, it's up against the wall. And the, his computer tower is behind the monitors, and it's hard to get to for him. So... You know, in order to get to the power switch on the power button on the computer case, he has to move some microphone booms and, and wedge behind some monitors to get to it. And uh, he was like, he's just thinking there's got to be a better way. Well, he, f he found that there's a, a remote switch that um, ties directly into the motherboard of your computer. It comes with a six foot length of cable, and it's basically a power button that you can relocate from your tower case anywhere on your rig so you can turn on your computer and turn it off right from the comfort of your sim chair so um it was a fairly inexpensive deal he shows you he showed on the video where he got it from it was like ten dollars and change so nothing expensive six foot of cable even goes through the process of how you connect it to your motherboard and the uh, power sw slots on there um it looked really simple to do and you know if if you're having that same problem where it's where you have an issue getting to the power button on your computer, this might be a really good option for you. So I would definitely check it out if I were you. Yeah, he had another uh, pretty cool option too. I don't know if you saw it on there where you could do a, a remote switch. So you'd have a key fob just like you could uh, start up your car and it plugs right into the motherboard and it's wireless. That's even better. I like that. Yeah, that was another option. That was cool too. You might lose that wireless key fob though. You're not, you won't lose the <laughs> wired option. I actually have not for my for my computer, but before my monitors and before my light that I turn on so that my VR doesn't get confused is um, they're both on remote switches that just go straight to uh, outlets, basically. Or they you plug it, it gives you three. It's a you know a power supply expander or splitter. You got three plugins that it's plugged into, and uh, you just click the button and it turns them on or off. Yeah, it just doesn't work with the PC, though, huh? You still got to push the button on the PC. Well, if you shut it down properly, yeah. If if you were just to use the power button, if you were just to, to shut it down cold, um, it would think that it just lost power, and it would kick on, but then you turn it back on. But that's not particularly good for the file system. I, I don't need this. I mean, I, it's no big deal for me to walk around the front of my rig and push the b button on my computer. I think... In my situation, it, I think it points out how nice it is to have the rig on wheels. I mean, Donnie, you, I had you over at my house. We, we had that. I, I showed you, you know, how I had a everything on wheels. We could spin that thing in a circle, and I had it on a tether. And um, it, you, re I really have access to everything. Yeah, I liked it. Um, I wasn't going to go with the independent or the uh, a mount that mounts to my rig. I was going to go with an independent stand. 
Uh, but after hearing you talk about it before in the past and uh, looking at Lawrence's, I actually picked those up in a couple of weeks. Um, now I just want to completely 100% um, everything kept within the rig itself. Um, so for me, I can't do wheels. I'm on carpet, so I have a furniture sliders that go underneath my legs and I can actually move it around uh, pretty good. But regarding this video, I was kind of getting nervous about, because right now I can just touch, I kick it with my toe, computer turns on. But once I attach it to the rig moving forward, and you know, if I have to move it around in this room, am I going to be put in his position on turning it on depending on what, where I face the computer? So knowing that there's an option, it's pretty simple, so pretty cool. So that'll help me uh, make a decision later how I want to mount the, the PC. Are you not doing wheels because you you don't want the depression in your carpet or you just don't think it'll roll? That it won't happen. roll. This uh, carpet was expensive and it's like that thick and it will just, uh, yeah. I got apartment carpet, so it rolls just fine. Yeah, this would just dig in. I don't have an easier way to turn on like my accessories. Like um, it's hard to get to the switch for the uh, G belt and the G seat where I have everything set up. So that stuff is, you know, I got to walk around. I got to bend, you know, almost get on my hands and knees to reach the, reach the, the uh, switch. Cause it's right next to the power supply. And I like to keep it someplace compact. So I don't have stuff wires and stuff running all over the place. So, for me, I'd, I'd rather have something I could t turn on some of these um, accessories, not not the computer. The computer I have in a real easy place to reach. You just need those remote power switches then? Probably right. Yeah, I've got power switches mounted on the side of the wall that I can reach with my rig um, to turn on you know, the G-belt and the, the steering wheel and all that stuff and all my amps and my motion rig. But uh, the uh, computer itself... I've got a power switch for it, but like one day the electricity flickered on and off and getting out of my rig, you, know, you un unbelt yourself, take the wheel off, and then I got to get up, go behind the rig and and push the button to start the computer back up. So that might be something I'll look at to look at is maybe the fob. You know, if you're worried about losing it, just, just tether it to your steering wheel <laughs> or, or somewhere up where you sit. As long as my wife doesn't have it, it won't get lost. All right, this next one doesn't really come with a lot of words, but we're looking at an actual schematic of the new SimuCube active pedal mount. Yeah, I was on, uh, they've got a Discord channel, and uh, they posted this a couple days ago, uh, the, all the dimensions, because I think a lot of people are worried if they're going to be able to uh, fit in their rig or not. So uh, I did some measurements. I'd have to switch a couple of my, um, take some of, my uh, butt kickers out and probably put them on the outside because I've got them on the inside of the rig if I decide to go with these pedals. But I don't know now that Lawrence got me hooked up if if I'm going to go with these or not. So what what's the dimension you're worried about here? It's a, the overall length I was worried about. Um, so these are 15, they're 15.83 inches long. So they're fairly long. And with my motion rig, I've got a front plate on it, the, uh, 160 series. And, uh, that's why I was worried about if, if where my pedals are, are mounted, if they were going to fit and not, you know, hit the front plate or have enough room that they would actually fit in there. Yeah. For this pedal tray I have here, um, they would have to hang out the back of the rig to be able to fit with the heel plate. Um, it's pretty, I mean, there's some technology on this thing, so it's gotta be pretty decent, but it's, it's a pretty long footprint. <laughs>
is it okay for it to hang off? You know, it, that's the thing. We, I don't know if we know where it mounts, like, you know. Yeah, right there. So you have, it looks like nine, I'm doing California math here in real time, 9.6 inches between the, the, the furthest ends of the mounting holes. So you could probably hang off, uh, looks like, here's some more California math, almost an inch out the back. I see. That actually might fit if I hang out of, off an inch of this rig here with the heel plate. But these don't come with the heel plate, I imagine. You'll have to, hopefully your rig has a heel plate. And yeah, there All seems right. to be a, a ton of interest, you know, on both Discord and on the uh, iRacing channel with these pedals. So it'd be interesting. Well, you mentioned butt kickers a minute ago, Brian. It looks like the next thing we have is from Slip Angle, and it's a new four-corner base acre system. Yeah, so it's it's a pretty interesting system. Um, it's almost like a four-corner actuator system, except instead of using actuators, they have LFE, low-frequency emitters, uh, that are mounted to the floor with uh, like a spring-loaded uh, spring support to it. So so if basically, if you take your 8020 rig, um, it comes with four little shelves, I'll call them, that are you know just big enough for the LFEs to attach to. You mount those shelves in each four corners of your rig, the LFEs are attached to the, brack, the the shelf that they give you, and then it connects to a spring-loaded foot that goes to the ground, and uh, and it uses um, it uses the LFE frequencies to um, to simulate the four corners of the car as you're as you're driving it. So it's basically um, butt kicker type technology, but used in a way that kind of gives you a little bit more um, feedback from where you know from the different corners of your car about what's going on with it you know over things like that so um it's 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 a definitely a a, a budget version of of a sim type uh, or a motion type of feel but um just using lfes instead of that instead of the um, actuators um, and this it spring load is through Sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say real quick that uh, it runs through SimHub just like uh, Base Shakers do, and uh, you can fine-tune it with all their software, which is all really good to customize and, and set, to different, um, set to different things, different uh, functions, different feedback. And if you look at the, on the website, the, the springs are actually listed and labeled as isolators, which prevent the vibration from carrying over into the floor, keep it in the rig. You know, I, I like this, so I, I can't do motion where I'm at right now. Uh, even I think the butt kicker would be a little crazy, but uh, this looks fantastic. If those isolators do isolate enough and I'm not vibrating, you know, the walls in here. Um, and the price ain't bad. If you're getting all four corners and you're getting the amplifier, um, I like it. It's priced right, too, at four four ninety nine for all those. I mean, if they're uh, Dayton pucks, um I mean, you're going to spend that on LFEs if you went with butt kickers alone. You actually would probably have closer to $800 just in uh, in uh, butt kickers. So, yeah, Mike, butt, butt kickers are expensive now. Butt kickers got real expensive with the new pro pro lines. So buying four butt kickers would be way more than that. I do That's think it. they need to work on their copper wiring for their audio. We need to get that black insulated so it could uh, look good. Or insulate it yourself, I guess. But other than that. Looks good. Yeah, our guest from last week, Mike Watts, he he sent this to me because so, we were talking about isolating butt kickers. So, could I do this without the springs? 
on my rig with wheels. Well, you can get four four uh, LFEs and just use them like butt kickers, I would imagine. And um, for the price of the whole system, you know, you'd be saving money between getting four butt kickers. Yeah. Yeah, you're just not going to get that probably minor motion of, of each independent corner going up and down. I don't know what kind of travel this will have, uh, but they got springs on it for, for some kind of travel. Yeah, you know, looking at those spring things i wonder if i can mount that somehow to the wheel like have them in between the rig and the wheel so i still get that you know up and down off the spring thing so to get crazy you'll just have to mount your wheels where they can break apart and then <laughs> you can hinge them back down when you're ready to roll it so yeah if you have your wheels in contact with your your tile there you're probably not going to feel any any spring motion well, so maybe you can maybe you can mount the wheels on the uh, below the insulators, but then you might end up in the next room. Who knows? Well, that's what I was thinking: is the wheels under at the bottom and the insulators in between. The insulators, yeah, the insulators are there to keep the vibration from going down. Though you'd have to lock the wheels probably if you did that. Pretty neat idea. I might go that route if this butt kicker. Uh, kicks you know the bucket at some point but let's uh move on we got a couple of more logitech uh g pro reviews uh what do you think mike yep uh carl gosling uh one of my favorite reviewers uh, uh it's a fascinating what he does he actually buys the wheel thousand pounds and then he immediately sells it on facebook marketplace as soon as the review the video is over with an honest description and so he uh, he liked it. I mean, when it came down to driving it, I mean, he liked it. He didn't like the true force. Now, that was a little different from what we've heard on some of the other reviews. Um, but he said you can turn the true force off and just go with straight force feedback from the sim. And uh, he thought it was great. Uh, now, as far as the presentation of the product you know it, it, same thing we've heard before you know it's big it's bulky it's plastic you know yeah i agree with you mike um this carl fella i think he's climbing up to number two on my favorite guy to watch for reviews he just comes across as very honest and genuine and that's probably because he buys the product himself and then resells it um but he was the first person to give any pushback on on the review for this wheel and it kind of makes me worry about where the other reviewers stand uh, on the review process because they all fell in love with this thing and called it the the greatest wheel they've ever had um well some of them did but uh yeah sorry most of them were bragging about the the force feedback and how much more detail they're 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 seeing in it and i got some information on one of the dis, uh, discord servers i'm in today about what makes them quote more detailed is not actually that or this might be the case with both logitech but also other simulators is that they're adding extra information that you would not actually get through the steering column so they're they're almost making stuff up rather than just giving you what you would really feel in a steering wheel and and so that that's what true force and some of these other stuff is giving you it's probably adding pedal information that you normally wouldn't feel and that's why they think they're getting more detail yeah, so he, he actually brings that exact fact up in the video, and he basically rips apart True Force um, for that very thing. And they have, and I had no idea this was a thing, um, but you can have the motor revving through the wheel, 
And it, even on his video, it just sounded like, ah, like you would think your wheel's breaking if you heard it. Struggling kind of noise. And... So it's essentially turning your, uh, your wheel into a butt kicker. A butt kicker, getting all the haptic feedback through your wheel, which is, which is kind of odd. Now, like you said, he, he ripped it apart that you would, that you'd want this haptic stuff in the middle of your force feedback that you're trying to feel because it just muddies the water. And I'm a little dismayed because the SimiCube Pro 2 software that they designed for their pedal that they said they're going to bring into the wheelbases is pretty much the same idea, I believe, where they're going to introduce haptic type of uh, feedback in with the normal stuff. But that's where you're supposed to feel it. When you when you have you ever locked up your any lock brakes in a car and felt the and pedal push back shakes. out? Well, the wheel not not just the wheel shakes, but you can actually feel the pedal push out. It will shove your foot back up, and you'll get that vibrating anti lock motion from the pedal as well. You know, I was listening to this video particularly while I was driving. I had it mounted um, uh, next to my seat or wherever, and I was listening and I was trying to find all the bumps in the road as he was talking about it, and I'd hit the rumble strips and. It's just interesting to hear him describe it because he describes it in such a different way than everybody else does. Um, he seems to have a lot of knowledge on on the haptics and whatnot, but it was just interesting to see what I can feel listening to him talk about it in in a real wheel with on a real road. I mean, he was kind of saying like like what you're alluding to that you don't feel the the bumps and the rumble strips in a real car as much as you do in this force feedback you know wheel. Well, not in the wheel. You're supposed to feel it more in your butt, which is what which is what I like about the butt kicker. And I, I'm getting away with just the one, but but particularly I have the for, the uh, traction slip, you know, cranked up really high, and it, I'm always able to tell in the oval car when it's getting ready to pop loose as a result. And I I, I feel like that's where I get my my extra little bit of speed when when everybody's complaining about the car being a little bit loose that I can feel it trying to break before it breaks. Now, Mike, did he say you could turn the true drive off, or is, is it true drive? Um, true force? Can you true turn that force. off? Yeah, he indicated he did, yes. All right, so that's an option. If you do pick up this wheel, you you can't avoid the haptic through the wheel if you just turn it off. He did say it was good quality plastic, though. He did. He did. Yeah, that's true. I mean, metal where there needs to be metal, and and plastic where you know you don't really need metal you know that's what he said you know where you mount it it's it's nice and strong so the quick release was good no uh, no flex in the quick release or the wheel itself or steering wheel rim all right well steve it looks like we can go to a place uh sim racing center now to try out the d-box haptic systems yeah it looks like uh there's four there's four centers um, where you can go try the D-Box haptic systems. And uh, let's see if I can. There's um, F1 Arcade supplied by Viserio. Um, that's the first one, and that's located in the United Kingdom. And then there's Sim Motorsports Race Center, which is also in the United Kingdom. And then we've got one here in the good old US of A, Andretti Motorsports in Orlando, Florida. And then uh, the last one is in Hamburg, Germany at Derby Flot. So if you want to go try try the uh, system out, um, if you're in the States here, go to Andretti Motorsports and check it out. Oh, 
That's pretty cool. All right, continuing on the uh, wheel review train, uh, Donnie, we have a SimiCube wheel review. Yeah, Will from Boosted Media uh, reviewed SimiCube's CSX3. It's their newest wheel, and um, I feel like he just reviewed this one, or I just watched a video regarding it uh, with him. Uh, but either way, uh, he likes it, um, gives it a good review, qu high quality. Um, the buttons are, are good to go as well. The, the caps are aluminum for your rotary dials. He said the, the grips were, were pretty good and, and, the, and the paddles as well. It's it's probably with this wheel here inching with the, the Gomez wheel and as being one of the, the better wheels you can get on the market. I like it. I mean, it, it, it of course, is just like the one I bought, but it's got the display. Yeah, Kent, what would he, what do you say the price for this one is? I think that's 1,500 euros. That seems to be the price people are hitting for their top of the line wheel, not including that $24 Porsche wheel. Um, but $1,500 seems to be towards the top. I'll echo what Will Ford said about this wheel. I mean, obviously it's got the same design as much, very much like I have. It does have a third set of paddles though, which is kind of nice uh, that those are optional, but I got to point out the magnetic cord connection is freaking awesome i mean it it rips off if the wheel goes crazy because it's magnetic it's it's very strong and it, it sticks on there well um it's just a, a pleasure to use and then the buttons and the grips i mean are are just great i mean very high quality all right mike you always are saying gotta go triples gotta go triples why not go ahead and go quince man well, one 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 quick mention. Sim Labs is having a Black Friday fifteen percent off. They don't have any good uh, social media or website that shows it unless you go there and look. But we do have a link to their page. I did walk right over that one, yeah, because I saw the picture and jumped right down. He's uh, he's announced his will too. I'm surprised we don't have anything up there on that. Yeah, so we got a TikTok video here of triples. That's not triples, man. Oh, wait a minute. Quadruples. Yeah. Quint. So that's why I uh, threw this on the script is what's the deal with quadruples? Has anyone tried this? Um, I'm, is, it, is it four or is it five? I thought I counted five. Is it five? Okay. So maybe, yeah, the video is moving quick. But my point is, is there's a seam between this, the two screens right in the middle. I mean, that would drive me nuts. It might be four. No, it's, it's only four. Now I'm looking at it. Yeah, it might be four. The only problem with four is the the dead center of the screen is where the two monitors would be together, right? Otherwise, it's you know if you look dead center at, at the one, then there's only going to be one to your left, two to your right. The dead center of the screen would actually be where the two monitors come together. He spent twenty grand to make a TikTok video. <laughs> So I've, I do have a real question for you guys um, regarding four monitors, the way he did it. So in the back of our, our graphic cards, we have the three, or at least I do, the three display ports and the one HDMI port. How on earth is he hooking this up? Just plug them all in, right? Got to get adapters. If you've got four I have, ports, you can just use an adapter. On okay. One. So all I have right. triples, and then I have a fourth above, and they all plug into the video card. Right, but yeah, that, you can get on the fourth one, you don't have an adapter on uh, um, DisplayPort adapter. 
It's just a regular HDMI for that fourth monitor. Right. It's just straight. Yeah, there's, I think, HDMI and three display ports or something. So in order to get that the way he has it, he has, okay, that makes sense. I don't know. Seems unnecessary, but... Yeah, if you, if you look at the 18-second mark, you can see he's got four plugs going into his uh, into his graphics card. The, the seam down the middle is is no good. That's that's right. a deal killer. Am I right? Yeah. That just doesn't work. You'd have to have five. You'd have to have an odd number for the center of the screen to be right. you know in between two, uh, one monitor. So why didn't he get five? He, he cheaped out. I'm kind of disappointed in this guy. All right, you know, so how did really he get five? <laughs> Then, then Look, you need like an adapter. <laughs> now, it, wait, if you're going to do four it, and you're going to have a seam down the middle, he's not even looking, going to see the outside ones uh, in his peripheral. They're too far away. Oh, yeah. I, take take those and, and put them on top of the other two and get some really nice vertical FOV going. Now, I like Brian's idea. Get the fifth one, complete the circle, um, take your VR headset off, and then now you just move your head around and look at monitors instead of using your goggles. But you'll need that adapter to be able to run the fifth monitor. And then a sixth if you need your little display up ahead. Yeah, he gets one more monitor in there. He's just about got 360 degrees covered. And then you can put a real mirror up on top of your monitor in front of you to be able to look back at the monitor behind you. But then... Yeah, who knows what that's showing? Won't be reversed though, so you'd, yeah, you, yeah. you'd be seeing cars in the wrong side of your. <laughs> All right, before we hit the uh, the last uh, hardware topic, I got to throw us an update from the from the dinner with racers race here. Uh, the the Porsches are running about 160 up in the straightaways and corners. Looks like they're coming in. Some of them are going ahead and coming into pit, so they're they're going to have to make their they're going to have to stop as well and charge up. Right now, all of the these are a lap down and are just creeping around the apron. So with them pitting, this is a huge track. Uh, I can't see the V's overtaking them. And how long, I'm curious to hear how long a pit stop is, but they're not changing tires. They're jacking them up though. It takes a while to charge those up. Might be better to change the battery. Just change the whole battery at that point, right? Those pit crews are not moving. That That's really what I think it's going to need if you ever win electric cars and NASCAR. It's not, not charging, but actually battery swaps. Yeah, quick change. You know they can, they can always do it the first year of uh, a Formula E did, which is just change cars, pull in the garage and hop into another one. That was ridiculous. Instead of multi-class drivers, it's multi-class cars. All right. Well, we've got one last story title for you before we jump on to results, and it's a tweet from Thrustmaster official and they're saying see you tomorrow at 4 p.m. Central Eastern time. Now that is that that's that don't make any sense. Is that actually uh, a Canadian time or an Australian time? CET? It happened today. I watched it. It was on the Twitch. They have announced a uh, wheelbase, a direct drive wheelbase finally. Finally, um, you, if you recall, they've been uh, trying to market this thing to us, you know, saying, hey, new stuff's coming for over a year. But here it is. Today is the day. Uh, you can go to Twitch and type in Thrustmaster and see the video. Uh, the CEO and some other guy um, basically uh, show off the wheelbase. It's very much like the CSLDD as far as the footprint of it. Um, 
the design is a neat look. It's got a really neat look. It's a hexagon, you know, five-sided um, kind of look, or maybe six-sided, I should say. Uh, you know, that it, it basically a surround around the round motor that's within it. Um, what do you guys think? You know, obviously, I haven't seen nothing about it yet or any, any reviews, but I'll, I'll say the design looks a little bit better than, I say a lot better than Logitech's. Looks like it does have a metal casing on the outside. I don't know what those materials are yet, quite yet on, on the outside, uh, but it's 600 bucks. And some comments I was reading today, and this is just for the wheelbase itself, is uh, 600. And I think the Moza, it was the R9 bundle. You can get the, um, the wheel um a steering wheel and pedals for 600 so it's uh it's got some competition right off the bat because even the thrustmaster wheel i don't know if you equate it to 400 dollars. it comes with the wheel i didn't pick up on the newton meter power i don't know how strong it is yet but i think it's very very interesting that logitech announces their dd and it was a thousand and now Thrustmaster comes out with six or six fifty, I think is what I heard. I think the uh, software was interesting when they were talking to the uh, software developer um, about the understeer and the oversteer, and also that one guy that drove the F1 cars or whatever that tested it. And uh, he said he was impressed, but I mean those guys are being paid, so we're gonna have to wait probably till next month to see some independent reviews of this uh, wheelbase. The wheelbase. Looks huge, though. Didn't it look like it was really big? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not deep. You know, it's like a short wheelbase. It's like a short motor. Their quick release looks interesting. They call it a fast release, not a quick release. Um, it's like a clamp style um, that's attached to the base itself. So this was just literally hours ago, um, the announcement. So there's been no reviews that we've seen yet. So like I said, probably by next week or the week after. does come in five colors. I'm seeing an orange one here. Or sorry, yeah, five colors. Uh, yeah, nothing so far for uh, Newton meters. does feature an RJ45 port that will support a new type of ecosystem in the future. Okay, so here it is. I found it in the forums. Um, it is shipped with 10 Newton meters of constant torque force built in and pricing is 599.99 euros and 650 euros respectively. Oh, that's UK and yeah. European. I'm seeing on the, um, I'm seeing on this, uh, video they have out that it says, uh, shop USA 649. Yeah. It says Americans have to wait till March 23rd to order right. at 650. March to order it. To order. Uh, these guys are going to be left behind. I. How can these guys not have this before Christmas? I. I understand. There's. You know. Maybe they had some delays in the, the development of it, but it'd be crazy not to have this before Christmas. Not. Not just to have it before Christmas. To even the opportunity to buy it. Right. Yeah. Right. March. That's weird. Well. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. Uh, it's a long time coming. Just keep on waiting. Yeah. It's a, like it's a hexagon shape, so it looks like a hex block. Um, different, different design by far. But I don't know. To me, to me, if you make a hex, you don't have a big, uh, flat area on the bottom to mount to. I don't know if that would make a difference or not. But um, 
it's it seems like it could have been had a better a bigger area to mount it to your rig yeah i'm looking at what you're saying there brian there's no front mounting i'm seeing whatsoever so you'll have to mount it to the bottom maybe they'll come out with something but you know just like we do with the logitech when it came out we dismissed it immediately based off its look and being logitech being a thousand bucks and the reviews came out and everybody loved it until carl got it so now i want to see carl's review on this i want to see him compare it and whatnot um, but I, I will say the design, I, I can get on board with this design more than the Logitech one so far. Yeah, I agree. Definitely looks better. We'll talk about it in March. One. Let's jump to results. The winter NIS Daytona. Let's finish up that week. Donnie, Sunday open. Yeah, I didn't qualify. I, I don't understand why I didn't, but I started 18th. I finished 12th, crossed the line P8, um, but somebody bumped me towards the end there and uh, put me over the DQ limit. Um, it's frustrating that people would enter this race, and this is this could be said for any race. Um, that couldn't hold a freaking line. We had one guy in particular that was uh, a nuisance, and um, it was just frustrating. But other than that, it was a lot of fun. A um, little bit different experience driving this car as opposed to the cup cars now in the pack. So another thing, this was my first race with this wheel and getting the uh, Newton meters and the force feedback dialed in for this guy. And it was, it's a beast. This track um, and this car combo is a beast. So a lot of respect to the guys in the 80s who actually wielded this thing going 205 into the corner and holding it like at 202 i think we were in these cars that's it's amazing those guys were completely different than the guys now what a combo to test a, a brand new force feedback wheel um there's it's so bumpy and and you really have to just hang on and just just hang on you know as you go through these corners so before I before I dialed it in, I always made, I don't want to say I made fun, but I was like, why do people have harnesses for their sim rigs if they don't, I get motion maybe, but this was the first time I was like, oh crap, maybe I might need belts. Cause it was kind of throwing your shoulders around back and forth. And I was like, holy crap, what did I buy? But um, yeah, after you get it dialed in and you get used to it, it's, it's not the worst thing, but I might, I might consider some belts. My wife might uh, make fun of me, but who cares? I I'd love give you some belts. recommendations on belts. Love the belts. I get it for, I always got it for motion. It made sense to me. Um, you want to be locked in and tight and everything. So I figured you could just do that with your own human strength if you just had a regular rig. But uh, apparently the wheels could be stronger than what you can be at times. So I'll tell you why I bought belts because I once videotaped myself racing and then I'd watched myself. I literally flop around like a fish, like, you know, like literally, like, you know, I'm doing this and I get up on one hip on my left hip or something and I'm not sitting flat and get crazy stuff. You know, it's fun watching Parker Kligerman. He does that. He, uh, he'll lean into the corners. Um, and I know he's not doing that in real life cause he can't physically, but, uh, it's just fun watching him do the, do the old school grandma lean while playing Mario brothers or something. All right, Sunday fixed. I got a P8. I had a pretty good run going around top five, basically. I even led some laps. Uh, there was a blinker in the room and he would not pull over no matter how many times people said something. 
eventually he took me out uh basically slammed me to the wall i had 30 seconds required five minutes optional and i lost a lap i eventually did get a lucky dog and brought it home p8 great run did you protest that guy you know i i meant to i wanted to and i was i said i was going to and then you know the end of the race comes and i'm ready to go outside and take the dog out and i totally forgot that cool down period is what screws me well how long do you have after a race to protest i mean Dave, i'm sure you Dave can go back to it but i didn't save the replay or anything and during the cool down your give a crap meter kind of lowers and you're just like eh. that's what they're exactly. thinking and it also gives people a chance to send you a message apologizing yeah right um I don't know if I don't know if there's a statute of limitations or not. I've never, you know, I never wait that long. What I'll do is if I know I want to protest it, I type it up and just wake up the next morning and click the send button. All right, let's move on to Bristol Wednesday Open. Donnie P10. Yeah, so this one we raced uh, not together, but during the same uh, the same event. I uh, qualified P10, uh, finished P10. The car had great um, long run speed, the set that I used. Um, the car was just great overall. You're able to pass uh, inside or outside, didn't really matter. Um, I was running top five the majority of my race, maybe probably six or seven. Um, but at one point, me and that gentleman that actually won the race um, later on, we were battling, I think we were one, two, and three. But we had the, the lappers on a restart mixed in with us. And one guy just couldn't get out of our way and uh, some guy plowed into the rear of me, sent me to the inside wall, so that kind of ruined my race, but I was able to come back and finish P10. One thing I did, um, you always remind him when you drive these older cars and older series, even though the rules are kind of mixed and I'm not a big fan of that, um, but the how on earth did NASCAR allow the lapped and damaged cars for so long to start on the inside line? I remember that being such a huge deal, uh, I think the early 2000s when they finally um, got rid of that rule but it just amazes me that to think about it from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, that the, the lap cars started on the inside line. I've noticed racing the last couple of weeks about this is those lap cars don't have a prayer getting their lap back. <laughs> Not even a chance in the world because there's a reason they're lap cars. That I mean, it's just silly to even put them up there because they're not gonna get in front of those leaders and then a caution come out. It was just for those guys that were occasionally got like trapped because of an unlucky pit stop or something like that. If you got caught in green bag cycles. Yeah, no, it makes sense uh, a little bit, but I mean, you'll, you'll uh, read stories or watch old races and there were guys that were several laps down and over a 500 mile race, they get those laps back and somehow win. Um, and it happens sometimes um, in the current format with the getting a lap back and the wave rounds and whatnot. But, um, I like the track with this uh, with this car. It's a great track uh, car combo for myself. So I'll be uh, putting a pin in this one and racing all the future ones I could find. All right, my race wrecked out. I did pretty good on the first run, actually. I ended up going from 20th up to second before pitting um, and, and then a long green flag run. I actually faded hard to 15th, uh, three laps down. It was top split with about 100 to go. I got loose on my own and spun. I didn't hit anything, but came to a rest right in the middle of the track, dead backwards. 
the field came around and one guy just clipped me and tore off the wheel of the car. I was done. All right, today I ran Thursday Open P11. Top split once again, there were only 18 cars in the race. Um, I was fairly slow. I pretty much got what I deserved. I was four laps down, uh, P11 out of 18. I gained just a little bit of I rating and safety rating. Um, got more points than my DNF the night before, so I'll take it. All right, other racing, let's go through. I ran F2000 at Gateway. Wow, man, that was fun. Started 14th out of 18th. Uh, got as high as P3, ended up battling for fourth with four different cars for many different laps. That was some great racing P4. Next one started nine out of 14, worked my way up to P3. Next started P5 out of, P, out of nine, ended up P6 after getting wrecked from a guy, came down into me. Next one started P6 out of eight, got to the front, almost P2. Two different contacts with people that were net code. Then I ran a uh, hosted Radical at the ring. Later, the IndyCar at Michigan, P2 in that one. Then F2000 switched uh, weeks over to Road America. Started P7 out of 14, quickly got to P5, but ran off and knocked the front wing off and fell back to P8. Then a great combination, the Formula V and the Lotus 49s at Southern National. Wow, what a blast this was. P2. I almost won it. Mike, real quick, do you have the Lotus? I didn't know you had that car. I don't. I ran the Formula V. Now, I would have won my class, is what I should have said. Okay, but you didn't have to have the car to to be in a multi-class race with that then, huh? I didn't. No, you it never was did. cool yeah, to I see guess, that I car. I guess that makes sense, because you don't have to have all the different GTs and all that stuff. Yeah, you're right. When my we bad. were... When we were on the grid, you can see that, you know, they're open wheel cars, both of them. But the Formula Vs have a fairly narrow tire. But boy, these Lotuses, they have this super wide back tires on them. And they were really quick, but they were they were like twice as fast as the Formula Vs. But it, it made a interesting race for sure. It was more like a, it was almost a demo derby kind of thing. Now, the, the combo, you mentioned Gateway and the F2000. Uh, did you not find it entertaining the entire time? It was fine. I, you know, I, I figured out a line. Um, the first couple races of the week, I, I, did, I, I found a guy who was fast. I, I saw this line he took where he basically just did a really late apex into one and two, where he went real wide, and uh, it worked for me. Yeah, I heard you on the show last week uh, mention if there's not enough cars, you don't enjoy it. But for something like that, and if there's only eight cars in it, you're going to run up front anyway. And so you're not really going to be in in the back to really have the, the car count matter. So you're going to be in the, the first uh, four cars. So I would always say go for it. Even if it's a minimum of six, you're going to be in those first two or three, two or three cars anyway. I, I started one event there. There were two of us me and another guy and we actually ran for a while and then i gave up it was boring all right eight open steve yeah i ran uh, the open at uh kansas and i didn't i didn't qualify I ended up starting last I, there wasn't many guys in there i ended up in the top split so i figured i was a fish out of water and uh, anyways my car would really come in 
probably like, um, I don't know, about 15 laps in. And then I just went to the top and I was just passing cars like crazy. And if there wasn't a uh, last caution with four to go, I probably would have ended up um, fourth, maybe fifth, right in there. And uh, But they had a restart. I was kind of a wussy, so I ended up P12. I, I wasn't as aggressive as I probably should have been. But I gained like 84 points, so that was good. Right. And the long-anticipated Winter League started. Adam, Jocelyn, he... Uh, sped on pit road he had a 40 second penalty uh, got caught a lap down and then wrecked later on me p19 it was a 37 car field i qualified 20th the first run adam and i got together and we worked ourselves into the top 10 we had a good spot going into the green flag stop uh, we were very close to the front uh, caution came out in the middle of the green flag stops and I ended up restarting P3 after that. Got to run around 10th to 15th most of the race after that. Didn't feel like I was making good moves on picking one lane or the other. Everyone was afraid to try three wide, so we didn't. There was lots of frustration, but at the end, I was actually in the right lane at the right time with the, right, with the late restart. Uh, there were four or five of us that broke away on the top lane. Now this is Daytona. I made my move going into three on the white, dropped to the bottom. I had Josh Campbell, the admin, right behind me to push. And he, it looked like he was gonna stick with me the whole way. But uh, iRacing staff member, Christian Schaliner and another guy who were right in front of us, they also dropped to the bottom uh, as we went to the bottom. And so what happened was Christian blew his engine at that very moment. I don't know if he was overheating from pushing uh, the leader, but uh, yeah, he he blew up, immediately got turned, and I got collected in the aftermath. Uh, the old field plowed in, and I ended up T19. Steve, you had a tough run. <laughs> yeah, I uh, so I didn't qualify. I started in the back, and just on the pace lap, um, my car wouldn't turn. It uh, kept touching the wall. And so I didn't want to, I was kind of nervous about being in that race anyways with all those good guys. So I, I exited to go back to the pits and I hadn't put my wheel on right. So it was just spinning <laughs> without the quick release being locked in. So that was the issue. So I ended up uh, two laps down by the time I got back out there. And uh, I had fun, it was fun racing. I got up there with Mike, I was like two laps down and tried to push him around and probably would have ended up okay if that uh, last caution didn't come out because he was, he, you were gonna end up probably maybe winning it, huh, Mike? I was in third, yeah, um, before that last one. And then I was fourth or fifth for that final uh, white to the run to the checker. Yeah, I was in a good spot. I, I felt good about it. You know, you were laps down, but you were one of the the, the few. You were the the farthest up lap car. Like uh, you were up there with the leaders. So I think if you had been on the lead lap, you would have been fine. Yeah, yeah. I was just stuck. I was hoping I was going to be able to push you, but anyways, it was it was fun though racing with all those guys. Those guys were really good drivers. I mean, cars were kind of wicked to drive, and they had a lot tons of control. So, well. Hope to get a bigger team presence next week. Uh, Donnie, David, Greg, are you guys going to make it? Yeah, I should be able to. Don't have to work. 
Yeah, I have no extra work scheduled that day, so I should be good. It's Texas, right? We just kind of ran there not too long ago, about a month ago. So I'll take yeah, a look at that yeah. Texas video that I showed y'all about the history of the checkered history of Texas. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Speaking of Texas, Brian, P22. Yeah, so this was the UBRL Sunday night uh, cup race. The first time that they've moved their races from Sunday mornings to Sunday night cup series. Um, and it's the first week of the off season that uh, they run 13 weeks or whatever it is leading up to the real life Daytona 500. So uh, the first track was set at Texas and uh, it was a full field, 41 cars. So a great turnout for, for everybody coming there. Um, I started in the back. I didn't qualify, which was started me at like 36 i think it was um i had a pretty decent early run moved up to the mid 20s at that point so i was moving up somewhat um cars started uh pitting around lap 40 it was a 140 lap race uh cars started pitting around uh, lap 40 to kind of split the uh, race up into two pit stops um i stayed out a little longer and wound up catching a caution so uh some of the guys got uh, left a, a lap down because of the caution and uh i got really good track position after that i moved up restarted that at us uh, in sixth place um i actually gained two spots so i was in fourth place um and uh doing pretty good and then then my tires kind of wore out a little, a little too fast i started to fade a little bit um uh, I think I fell back to seventh, and when when the next set of pit stops came in, so I went. It was a it was a green flag stop, and I wound up uh, getting a black flag because I locked up my brakes and hit the cone on pit entrance and got a uh, unsafe pit entrance penalty. So that put me a lap down. Unfortunately, it really really killed my race. I think I would have had a top ten for sure if if I'd have stayed kept that uh, clean stop. Um, there was a late caution with about 12 to go, which which let me catch a couple guys and um had a good restart and passed us past one or two drivers and finished in p22 so not too bad considering the black flag which is which was just killer and um another really good obrl race um two cautions and one of them was from somebody who had a hardware failure their, their screen blacked out and they lost control of their car so for a 140 lap race one one caution for bad driving one for uh just the hardware issues pretty pretty solid typical of OBRL obrl racing so Let's jump to final thoughts. Brian McCubbin, what are your final thoughts? Um, so let's see. So now that the cup season's over and NIS is over, um, except for the, uh, the 87 version, um, yeah, I kind of encourage people to get outside their comfort zone. If you're, if you're typically a NASCAR, um, oval racer, um, and that's what I've done. I've, I've started practicing just doing practice sessions with cars and combinations that I wouldn't typically normally run. You know, I played around in the formula V some of their races. I jumped in a, um, I jumped in a formula, um, skip, skip barber did some racing there, which I really never do in the, during the cup season. Um, so, you know, there's other things too. I want to try. I want to mess around. I've never, I've, I've done a lot of truck races, the, the pro trucks, um, or, or not races, but I've done a lot of, um, just practice and playing around with them, but I've never actually done any official races in trucks. So I'm going to try some pro truck races and get that in. Um, so a lot of cool stuff. Uh, one last thing I want to mention is, uh, our teammate, Tyler Williamson, who, who, um, doesn't make the show is usually tied up pretty good. 
I want to congratulate him. He's uh he's almost got his A license in all disciplines of racing. He's just just got a couple of uh dirt uh, oval races to complete and uh, do well, and then he'll have the A license in all 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 disciplines. So congratulations to him prematurely, but I know he's gonna get it. That's quite an accomplishment. If you if you're on A on all of them, maybe you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> all right, David Hall, final thoughts. Obviously, didn't have much results in here. I've been running Le Mans in in the sports in the nine one nine a lot. I've uh, got pulled a podium off of it, and again, just mostly during the break. I've mostly run sports cars and take a break from the oval. Uh, I would encourage all of our teammates to run some multi class to get ready for Daytona because it's really not the car that you have to get used to. It's the whole culture of multi class. That, that really needs more, you need the experience on. So you can learn that even if it's at a different track than Daytona. And that's what I will be doing most, for the most part here is running running a little bit of EMSA, a little bit of ESS, probably sneak in for some of the Scott McGuire stuff and run and be starting behind the eight ball for trying to catch up in the winter series. Uh, with I guess we only get the one drop week. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, uh, just going to have to just focus on good finishes and having fun with it and just take it a little bit easier during the winter. Have we decided as a, as the fun team, if we're going to be racing um, the GTs or are we going to jump up to the uh, prototypes? I think Tony said he wants to stay in the Ferrari. You know, David mentioned something in, in the group chat a, a few weeks back that we might have three teams. There's enough guys potentially interested. So, and maybe with some cross uh, cross team, pollination that we might have enough for three cars yeah because i'm basically allied with with uh, mad sim now right uh, our podcaster fellows and with over there with cody richardson i'm going to be running majors with them next year and so i have access to all their their information and they're they're literally already forming their teams they're they're like let's go they're going to practice for daytona for two months um and i, I like just, it i just said um tell you what when we get close, I'll let you know if we need a spare buddy or somebody, you know, we'll see how it goes. It's, um, I, I, I hope they get that new car out, the BMW, but on the same token, I don't want to get in a split. That's only BMWs and, and not having, having that multi-class element and also, and everybody's going to run that car. So I'm almost leaning towards maybe sticking with the LMP two so that I know I'm more likely to get into a multi-class race. And something we brought up before with brand new cars is, does iRacing juice up the new car a little bit to, to help boost sales, make it the quicker car? Seems like the Mercedes was was really good when it when it came out. Well, in this right. case, in this case, it's going to be the quicker car because it's going to be the fastest class, especially, right. no, you're right. especially yeah. in IMSA. And in fact, what they right now the, the the word is that the LMP2 is actually juiced up to be more like an LMDH or an L or or a, or a DPI, and that the norm the actual LMP2 does not go as fast as it's, as it's going in iRacing. So probably the LMP2 will take a little bit of a nerf when the when the BMW comes out. Can you can hey, you repeat Spiker. that in English, please? <laughs> Donnie Spiker, final thought. Yeah, I'm with you, Brian. I'd like, I want to get these uh, teams squared away. Uh, I hope to be on the GT team. So our uh, GT team captain, I believe, is is Tony. Um, I'd like to be on the GT team. 
Um, I added a channel to to, to our Discord. Um, we need to get some more listener participation in there. Kind of, it was a dead week, but I added a a channel in the general uh, heading of um, uh, race results. So if you guys want to post your race results with a picture, kind of that encapsulates what your race was about, um, a picture in there, and then a quick little blurb of what the race was like. Uh, and if we have time on the show, we'll, we'll we'll read them out, get some listener feedback there. Good idea. I'd love to read off some other people's results, so let's do it. All right, Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Oh, just here doing nothing. Listen to you guys going on about the show. Uh, no, I didn't really get a chance to do anything this week. I've I've been sicker than I think I've ever been in a while uh, with uh, something in my respiratory system, but uh, hopefully getting better um, and going from there. But uh, uh, I look forward to hopefully racing next week, but uh, we'll see. I keep saying that every week, but something always comes up, so I'm not going to guarantee it this time, uh, and we'll go from there. Well, you sound great. Yeah, so great. All right, get better. Steve Thompson, final thought? Yeah, I want to uh, thank Lawrence over at uh, Sim Coaches. Um, I uh, watched his video last week he had put up, and he had showed the – brake pedal and he had um the uh washers spring washers and so i searched over the weekend trying to see if i could find some the right size to put on to try to put on my uh hpp pedals and so i couldn't really find anything so i decided to go to his website and behold there were the uh, spring washers right there that i could order so i went ahead and ordered the soft and the hard and I ordered them um, uh, late Wednesday afternoon, and they arrived Thursday, yesterday, one day, coming from Vegas. And uh, anyways, uh, Lawrence, he put, a, he put a nice note in the box. He uh, wanted to know, he said he was pumped up for me to test those springs on my pedals. And so uh, I wasn't sure what direction to put the uh, the spring washers. So I went on his Discord channel and and asked a question. And of course, he answered me right away. And so I put them on and, and they're awesome. I mean, they just completely changed the way my pedals are. I've got hydraulic pedals and they had the urethane uh, bump bumpers on there i i had some i've tried all of them the soft ones the hard ones so i just want a big shout out to uh, lawrence for helping me uh put those on and for uh, sending me those and and for uh, supporting me even though i don't i don't own his pedals i really appreciate it so uh go go check him out and if you want those springs and you've got hydraulic hpp pedals or any others try them out because it definitely changes uh, your pedals he also mentioned when i was talking to him last night he he said he he got a ton of orders for uh for the spring washers so it must have either been from us mentioning it last week or also um on his uh, video so thanks to uh lawrence how'd you like his hard washer set so what I did is I, I put, uh, he recommended putting uh, like f six sets of the hard washers on first. So I did, I put those on and then I put the soft washers on in the, and on the front, the rest of them. So I put a whole bag, I don't know, I've brought probably 40 washers, I guess, on there because my, my bolt's pretty long. But uh, I tell you what, it's just, I mean, it completely changed the feel of the pedals. I mean, they feel like 
a, a regular vehicle. Now I'm really, really impressed. Um, he's got some great engineering guys over there, him or whoever thought up the, those washers. So I want to also throw out that Lawrence is doing um, a blast this week to let everyone know they're going live on November 24th to show the new formula wheel. And so um, I'm look forward to that event. You can actually go to his social media and put in your email and be alerted and all this stuff. So uh, I put my email in so I won't miss it. Yeah. And go, go join their uh, discord channel. There's lots of uh, great information. They, they, there's people selling you stuff there. I mean, that guy is, that guy really supports everything. He's doing a great job. Yeah. All right. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, man, loving my wheel, you know, and, and just getting used to it. The force feedback is amazing. The, the amount of power that's there, there's all so much fidelity. I, I can't just say enough about it. I've had a few hiccups uh, during the week. At one point, I told Steve, man, this, this wheel's rattling all of a sudden. I got a rattle. It scared the heck out of me. And it turned out that the quick release had come loose. Um, there's inner bolts and there's outer bolts. And two of the inner bolts were actually uh, knocked loose from, you know, 87s at Daytona. And so I went in there and I tightened them as tight as my tool will go without actually breaking the tool. And so uh, I guess if they back out again, I'm going to have to get the Loctite. Sounds but like, other than that, yeah, sounds like your, crew, your crew chief's not uh, taking care of your rig there. Isn't that your wife? Yeah, right. I was going to say, uh, but yeah, having tools is not it. a good thing. <laughs> right. Well, you know, maybe I'm running too much force feedback, but that's the whole idea. I'm trying to see what this thing's got, you know. Mike's going to rip his foundation in his house up before he's done. <laughs> did I? Did you break all your toys when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Redesigned them. That's what we did. Okay, so with that, hey, we'll see you out on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.